And good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. Later in the program, we'll have one of those uh, tips from the Harvard Business Review, uh, which might help our business grow. Also having a chat with Christina Sikiatis in our Minute on Innovation. Going to talk about our definitions, really important. But right now, we're going to have a chat with John Woodward, who's a partner at Turnbull Hill Lawyers, about dispute resolution. Good afternoon, John. Hello, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you once again for joining us. That's all right. You're welcome. So, so we've talked about dispute resolution before on a number of occasions. Is there any conflict that's, uh, is all conflict unhealthy? Um, no. On, on the contrary, most of it is um, entirely regular. I mean, um, it's, uh, um, you know, it's something that's been with us since the beginning of civilization, and, mm. and uh, every, everywhere you've got people interacting with each other, you're going to have some disagreement. It affects nations and communities and families, and of course it affects business. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing at all really unhealthy about it. It's, it's, um, it's inevitable. It can be quite productive when you have a number of people working together in a business community who have different ideas about how things should be done. You know, it'd be a pretty boring world if we all thought in identical terms and no one ever disagreed with anyone else. So obviously we're going to have um, disagreements between employers and their employees, uh, between workers with each other, and um, you know businesses have disputes with their suppliers or the customers, landlord, tenant, those sorts of things. These things can cause huge headaches for people, particularly in middle management, supervisors and so on, and stress for everyone involved. People get sacked or leave their jobs, long-standing customers are lost, and relationships can be destroyed, and all of that um, unnecessarily. So, so is there something we can do to deal with conflict? Well, well, there is. What, what's important in dealing with it is to um, identify the underlying issues which are important to the disputants, separate them from, from the personalities involved and try and get some of the emotion out of it. So you get to a position of um, where you can um, discuss issues on, on, their, on, the, on their own merits. Now, that, sometimes that's not as simple as it sounds, of course, um, and uh, some cases you, you, uh, you do need to get the assistance of an external professional. You can, you can go to a mediator or facilitator or talk to your own lawyer about it. Hmm. Um, back in 1981, um, a couple of Americans named Roger Fisher and William Urry wrote a book called Getting to Yes, in which they set out what they see as the as the four main elements of, of um, principle, what's known as principled negotiation. Now they are uh, basically, firstly, separating the people from the problem. Secondly, is trying to focus on interests and not positions. So you look at the hows and whys of why people you know want to do things rather than that they want to do something or that they disagree with something. Then there's the the third one is um, inventing options um, that will benefit both people, trying to come up with a solution which will have some benefits to each of the parties. And finally, um, using objective criteria to establish um, the legitimacy of, of, um, of, of, of outcomes. So, for example, if you want to sell your house for 50000 and someone else only wants to pay uh, 10000 um, you know, you look at... Oh, you sell your car, I should say. Um, then you look at a red book or some, some independent... Um, external measure to to uh, reality check yeah. now, these, these things are um, 
that that book of uh, Fisher and Uri became the seminal authority on this sort of stuff, mm. and um, and um, it's a short book that runs for about 150 pages, I think, and it's it's um, it's sold hundreds of thousands of copies in most Western countries of the world. And you and, I, you and I are most familiar with uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by exactly. Dale Carnegie. And exactly. in that book he talks about uh, the best way to win an argument is to avoid it. Yeah, that's right. So and, uh, um, there's some fantastic principles in that book too, isn't there? On, come, that's on. right. And it comes down to uh, really to communicating with people. And um, if uh, people find themselves in a situation where there's awkwardness, uh, they feel uncomfortable confronting issues with other people, um, and uh, they need to um, get some external assistance. There are a number of different bodies that they can go to. There's a place called the International Australian International Dispute Centre. Mm. There's another body called Lawyers Engaged in Alternative Dispute Resolution, LEADER. Um, and, or you can just Google mediator um, mm. in, in, um, on Google and, and come up with a list of people who are professionals at dealing with this and... Um, or it's always a good step, of course, to to um, to keep your lawyer involved in it, so that um, you know you've got you've got some external assistance to to yeah. deal with these things. Yeah, and you made the comment uh, earlier that ninety five percent of all commercial cases appearing before the courts are actually settled before they reach trial. That's right, um, and that really um, only deals with um, the what 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 I think most people in society would regard as being the. the 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 point of last resort, litigation being the point mm. of last resort, um, but short of litigation. I mean that that's that's so of litigation. I mean we do settle about ninety five percent of um, of cases, and uh, some of those are settled early, and some of them are not settled until the steps of the court. Mm. But by and large, um, the message from from all of this really is that is that in the whole gamut of of, of um, business and human activity, really people are coming into contact with each other all the time and therefore regularly there's some level of conflict and it causes some difficulty and, and sometimes um, the levels of difficulty and um, the productivity of dealing with it um, can be uh, rewarding rather than destructive. Yeah. Do, and, do, um, do you think uh, one of the problems is that a lot of, uh, particularly middle managers, but, but people in managerial positions have never been trained on how to, to handle these situations? I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, we're living in a world now that's that's uh, uh, where we've got a lot of technology and a less face-to-face contact with people, and uh, people don't know how to deal with technology. I mean, you just take the example of email yeah. transmissions. You know, is it easy to walk into someone's office and sit down and say, "Look, you know, we've got. A, I think we might have a problem with this," or rather, you can send an email. Emails don't convey emotion or tone or or things. And I think you know, and it's so easy- there's, a, there's a lot. It's easier to hit a keyboard than be face-to-face with someone sometimes, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's Absolutely. where we're getting this, these issues happening, obviously, on social media with the bullying and things like, and like that. That's right. And, and, and I, I do think that a lot of these things are, are very susceptible to um, improvement by, by um, some formal training about that kind of thing. Right. In fact, that's been the subject of um, of um, course a master's degree I'm doing at the university. Okay. So, yep. And, and it's what we did with Dale Carnegie many years ago too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thanks for your time again, John. We'll All have, right, thank we'll you, have a chat with you again another time. You. Thank you. Thank Bye you. Now. Bye-bye. John Woodward there from Turnbull Hill Lawyers. Yeah. Uh, effective dispute resolution really starts off with trying to solve the problem in the first place. There is lots and lots of information out there. 
and training courses and so forth that could help us. And you're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7, 24 minutes past one. Time for our discussion on innovation with Christina Sikiotis. Good afternoon, Christina. Hi, Julian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And today we're going to talk about definitions. Yes, I seem to be surrounded at the moment by people wanting definitions of innovation and creativity. And I find it a little simple. But I'm also doing some reading about that at the moment, so it's um, it's quite unusual. I'm I'm finding that people are, are needing definitions um, in order to move forward with things, and I'm wondering if that's just an extension of our of our mindset at the moment, where we're educated into actually narrowing boxes rather than opening them up. So, so is it is it one of people wanting to actually put a definition on it, or just to know what things really mean? Oh, I'm not. I'm. You know what, Julian? I'm not exactly sure because mm. some people are talking in terms of, of specific. Um, I mean, we now have, as you know, disruptive def, um, innovation, sustaining innovation, incremental innovation, uh, at a time where a lot of companies are. are and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but they're they're giving innovation lip service, and everyone's going, "Yes, we need to do it," and we recognise that we need to do it. Um, but but there's a lot of fear out there at the moment that's preventing companies doing it, and I'm wondering if they're requiring the safety and the definition in order to move forward. Mm. And, of, and, of course, uh, once we put a definition on something, it does start to become a buzzword then, as you were just saying. People say, I'm doing innovation, but are they really? Yeah, exactly. And the other, the other thing, um, once we do put definitions around it, is I'm wondering whether, A, that is a benefit to people, or, mm. B, whether it actually stifles them. Because there's a there's a whole lot of um, evidence in history that says definitions can be rather stifling. But I've also been reading lately how if you put a definition around something, um, it can actually increase the creativity around it. There's been a couple of studies done where people have been given free reign um, over over say the definition of creativity to come back with a creative concept, mm. uh, and they find that more difficult. There's less options um, that are put on the table in sessions as opposed to when there's defined areas that people want it. And I actually had this experience myself um, with, a, with a production of an, anima- of an animation um, that we were doing. I gave the animator complete creative license to do whatever it was that he wanted to do with it. And he said, that's too hard. I don't know what colours you want. I don't know what style you want. I don't know, you know, I've got no guidelines. Can you give me some guidelines? Mm-hmm. At which point I did, and it made the process easier for him. And so you think, well, I mean, there are people who are creative and there are people who need direction to be creative, aren't there? That's true. And the other thing that um, I was hit with this week now that you mentioned um, or that you've just triggered that thought was, do you need creativity in order to be innovative? Mm. I mean, my personal belief is that, that absolutely you do. You need that creative spark. It doesn't mean you have to be a painter or a musician or anything like that. That's not my, my definition of creativity. But you need that creative thought process to come from somewhere. What do you think? Well, as you say, there's, there you just jumped in and said that was my definition. Um, <laughs> I mean, a creative solution would be seeing how something uh, is applied in one area and applying it in another area. People wouldn't necessarily see that as being creative, and yet it really probably is. Yeah, I believe that too. I, I, and my, I guess I, I talk about that in terms of adaptation, and I believe that any time you join dots or adapt one, one method or one process into a different industry you are being creative and you're also being innovative at the same time because your your mind is, is working on how that can actually benefit 
a different, a completely different industry that you might you might find yourself in. There's, there's people that actually talk about innovation in three phases and six phases and eight phases and ten yeah. phases, and you kind of wonder, well, are all those phases necessary, or is it just we we need to be moving forward, we need to be changing, and that in in itself is a is a good enough definition for innovation. I think, uh, as you say, we come, we do come a little bit academic sometimes. Um, and we remember a few years ago, mission statements were all the go. Everybody had to sit down for hours and come up with a mission statement. Uh, and then they put them on the walls behind their uh, reception desks and things like that. No, nobody really knew what it, what it meant or what it was. And you're better off saying, you know, where do we want to be rather than a mission statement. Yeah, and how do we want to get there? I mean, yeah. we've we've had that discussion before. There's no point. You can have all the best ideas in the world, but if you actually don't action them um, and they don't move you forward, they don't get you anywhere, there's really no point in having those ideas in the first place. So are we going to decide we don't need definitions? We just need to know well, what to do? I think, yeah, how about <laughs> we say that, that guidelines are good and the wider you are read and the more knowledge you have, um, the, better, the better position you're in to make some right. decisions and to create. That's good. All right. We'll have a discussion next week. Okay, we shall. Have a great week. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina Sikiotis, they have an interesting discussion on definitions. Do they really work or do they tend to give reasons for not doing things? Yes, well, we've got time for one of our business tips taken from the Harvard Business Review. This one's called Boost Performance by Managing Mindfully. Mindfulness is the process of actively noticing things paying attention to what's going on around you instead of operating on autopilot can reduce stress, unlock creativity and boost performance. To be more mindful and encourage the practice within your team, here are three things that you could do. First of all, make not knowing okay. Encouraging your team to ask why. What are the benefits of doing it this way versus another way? Such questioning helps you recognise and take advantage of new opportunities. Secondly, imagine that your thoughts are completely transparent. If you were, you wouldn't think awful things about other people. You'd find a way to understand their perspectives. And thirdly, remember the stress comes from how you look at events, not from the events themselves. If you feel overwhelmed by your responsibilities, question the belief that you're the only one who can do a task or that's the only way to do it. So there's a couple of interesting comments there that fit in nicely with the two things we talked about today, which was definitions and innovation, and also effective dispute resolution. That second one there, if, you, if people could read our thoughts, maybe we wouldn't think them. So some interesting points there. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to visit the world of tax again with Tony Vidray. We'll have another look at innovation with Christina Sikiotis and look at some more news and views that may affect you and your business in now or in the near future. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law and You at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and as Henry Ford once said, whether you believe you can do a thing or not, you are right. <laughs>